Spending some time reconnecting with nature this summer? Here's a camping hack from L.L. Bean to make your next trip the best yet. Tired of your tentmate's flashlights shining in your eyes in camp? Bring an empty half-gallon milk jug or clear water bottle. Simply strap a headlamp around it, and it becomes a soft white lantern for everyone to see the light. For more camping hacks, visit youtube.com slash L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand episode of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. Happy Monday to you all. As we begin a brand new week, recapping the week that was in WWE. I'm Keela Cash, and by my side, as always, is my co-captain, my right hand, the sometimes advocate for the rapidly improving Von Wagner. I bring to you, as always, on the free feed, Salty Scott Young. Welcome back, Salty. Thank you for having me, Keela. As always, it's a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE I'm excited about the conversation, and uh, I'm also excited to not be in the driver's seat. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but it feels nice to be just sitting in, in the side buggy this time. I, I feel very comfortable back where I belong. So you're very chill, sitting in the passenger seat, riding shotgun alongside me, because you did something you never thought that you could do, which is lead a show. And I thought you did a very good job. And I thought for a second on this show today, you would lead another show because this show almost didn't happen due to a shitload of technical difficulties. My co-hosts have stuck with me throughout this process, and I appreciate them. This would have been the hood rap with me working on my headphones and Scott being the lead host. And he really would have been sweating bullets if that would have happened. Hey, listen, man, let me tell you. If push comes to shove, you know, I'll, I'll put my best Ricky Bobby impression on. If you're not first, you're last. Let's get it popping, shake and bake, baby. But, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but no, nah, it's just I, I, I completely I, I, I'm, I'm happy being here. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the the unwrap that's coming. We'll, we'll talk about that. But, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's nice to, to just be back in the in the co-pilot chair. Uh, this is this is where I feel feel very comfortable at. Well, it's a good spot to be, and we're co-captains together, riding along, as we also have someone in the back seat this week, a OG of the Fighting Media family, someone who was a part of the early days of the rap right here on the Fighting Media Network from the Dynamite Show. And in the clinch, I bring to you, as always, Grandpa Dez, Paul Fontaine. Welcome back, Grandpa. Hey, you know, I've hosted a show or two myself. I could have uh, I could have stepped in, but I'm glad you're there because quite honestly, you're the best. So uh, it's uh, it's as always, it's it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, I wasn't quite sure about this unwrap thing. Like, I don't really need to know about Scott's plans to have another kid. Um, so I'm not sure exactly why you put that on YouTube, but I, I assume it's not what it, it sounds like. At least I hope not. Listen, first a couple things. Because <laughs> so, listen, if we, there's a lot of things I need to unwrap from that statement right there. Um, first of all, okay, there, I, at this point in my relationship, there's no more wrapping. Okay, I, I'm, all right, I'm, all right. Well, let's just throw that. We're well hours starting early. Well, no, we're, we started late, so we're right into the horny hours. Yeah, we're we're right on time. We're yeah. right on time. We're well past that. Secondly, secondly. I think I think the unwrap needs to be as uncensored 
and as vulgar as possible. So yeah, it needed to be raw. It had there to be. A, it had to be a raw episode for Uncooked, it to be true. Uncensored. Listen, if you're going to be unwrapped, you have to un everything. Yeah. Is this a record for how long it took to break Keela? <laughs> I mean, I've I've gotten her to laugh a couple times in the intro, but I don't think I've gotten her to just kind of back off and laugh like that, like we have so far. No, not 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 this far. Going to be fun. Going to be a fun night in the old town tonight. You know, all I want for this show is a level of decorum. Paul said, no, we're not going to do that today. We're going to talk about raw unwrapping and things I never want to know about my co-captain ever again. I and, and listen, I didn't bring it up, but I, I felt compelled to reply. You know, I I just felt I didn't I didn't have to, but I just felt compelled to. And I think that's either the problem or the blessing. I don't know which one. It's both. It's both. <laughs> and I can't unhear any of this. So I need to go back in like a time machine and rewind the last four minutes of this show. But that's not possible because I listened back to it. So it's done. Paul can never come on the show again. This is his last appearance on The Wrap. He had a great run. We appreciate him. But he took the bridge too far today. And I'm done. I'm kidding, of course. But he doesn't sound sad. If I could never come on this show again, I would be very, very sad. Oh, now you're making me feel guilty. (laughs) Well, it's my own fault. I I say and do stupid things all the time. Yes. This was just yet another one. I have known you for almost three years. (laughs) And this is the bridge you have decided to die on today. Oh, well. Well. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) It's it's expected at this point, but that's why I love you. But yeah. um, Wow. I, I didn't make a show called The Unwrap, so. <laughs> now that now that is a Salty Scott original. <laughs> All righty. We believe in safe sex on this show. Okay, mm-hmm. we encourage it. And if we can get a Trojan sponsorship, that'd be great. So let's make it happen, okay? I will not say the next thing that popped into my head because I am trying to maintain some level of class but it's very hard. That's yeah, what that's- she said. <laughs> I mean, you can't do that, Keila. You tee it up and yeah, you know. like what? Are you serious? You just gonna finish it off with that? That's so hard. Come 360 on, three hundred and sixty yards right up the fairway. <laughs> Listen, this is this is literally the episode of The Office where Michael's boss is there and he's talking yeah. about how he's gonna be better and he's not gonna do that anymore. And 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 uh, Jim's like, man, that's just gonna be so hard. Well, you've always left me satisfied. You know, just that's what you did right there, Keely. You left me no choice. You left me no choice. It's very instinctual of me to end it that way. It just had to all come together. There I go again. (laughs) Right on cue. Come on, man. I I mean, you know, do I really need to read these these messages we had tonight? No, I'm not going to do it because this show is already off the rails. We'll, We'll do it off air. All right. Yes, we have already done enough in many ways, and now we're finished. There we go. All right. So this wraps up the unwrapped portion of this show. We encourage you to wrap it up when you can, but 
you know, at this point, we can't put anything back in the bottle. It's already out there. <laughs> and that's the beauty of this show. You know, we do horny hours right at the top of the show. Diversity. Real, real quick, though. The whole point of the unwrap, though. Go check out the unwrap on the Fight Game Media YouTube page, though, as I un- as Keela and myself unbox a pro wrestling uh, crate box, uh, you know, where it just sends us all kinds of uh, different goodies. Uh, I, I learned a new finishing move. The, the Valentine hammer. So definitely look out for that. That's coming soon. So yeah, go check out the unwrapped on the YouTube channel uh, and, and find out why Keela was chosen as the host. <laughs> okay. Find, find out firsthand why, but it, we had a lot of fun. So go check that out. Listen, it was an honor for me to be by your side as you hosted your first show. And I thought you did a very good job, despite you confusing Greg, the Hammer Valentine's nickname, and you did it repeatedly, and you sounded so confident, and then I had to tell you, like, you're wrong, and but it was so good, it became, like, the header for your episode, so I encourage you to keep screwing up on your own show. <laughs> it creates great moments like that. Uh, no doubt. All right, so enough shenanigans. We've had a hell of an eight minutes to kick off the show. (laughs) Unforgettable, because anytime that Paul's here, craziness ensues. But let's dive into the week that was in WWE with Monday Night Raw going down live on USA. We are about three weeks out from SummerSlam going down live from Ford Field in Detroit, Michigan. But let's talk about the one thing that Scott fears the most. One matchup that strikes fear in his heart of the possibilities of what can and will happen with Ricochet and Logan Paul presumably going at it at SummerSlam in a few weeks' time. And WWE entrusted Ricochet with the live mic to talk for minutes at a time, challenging Logan Paul to a match. And Logan Paul is not about that at first, saying that, you know, you're a TikTok wrestler. You're a guy that's all about the highlights and the moments. I make moments. You're banking off of me, and I'm not going to give you that clout. So he just told Ricochet respectfully, I decline your challenge. And then Ricochet is going to pull off a feat he did on NXT a few years ago and basically flip his ass out of the ring and go face-to-face with one Logan Paul. And Logan Paul, once again, was not impressed. He feigns walking away, goes for a cheap shot, and Ricochet fights back and lands a pretty nifty slice bread number two on the floor to Logan Paul and has the man scurrying up the ramp. As we do presume, it will be Logan Paul versus Ricochet at SummerSlam. We already have the starting value for this match at four and three-quarter stars, not quite five just yet. But Scott, your take on this segment featuring Ricochet getting some prime mic time against Logan Paul. I thought Logan Paul ate that boy up. That was my first thought during this segment. Um, I, it, to me, it's just like, who, who's, been, who's been on the microphone in front of this a live audience like this their entire careers and who's, you know, doing this for going on maybe year two? It's just like, Logan Paul is a, just so natural at this. He, he feeds off the crowd. Like, I, I, I enjoyed everything about this. I just, I thought Ricochet just came off really bad. I, I came off not interested in this match. And maybe that's just me. Like, the flip wasn't even as clean as the one he did with Velveteen Dream. Because when he did the one with Dream, 
there was this whole back and forth about, you know, who are, you know, what are you doing? Who are you? You know, are you as good as me in, in Velveteen Dream or something? I'm just as good as you. And that should have been what Logan Paul's whole thing was. Like, I can do anything you can do. And that's when Ricochet should have went and flipped out the ring and said, show me like he did with Velveteen Dream. Because that's what he did. He flipped out, got on the mic while Velveteen Dream stood there speechless, took his shades off, and Ricochet said, show me and on his mic. Like, there's, there, that's completely different than what he just did. And then Logan Paul shut it down like, bruh, don't nobody care about your flip you just did. I do flips all day. Don't nobody care. Like, that's essentially what he said. So, I, you know, I thought Logan Paul ate that boy up, and I just, the match would be good, but... I I'm I'm just worried about what they're going to try to do, and they're going to. I feel like they're just going to try to recreate Will Osprey and Ricochet again, and I just don't know if they can do that. They can. I believe it in my heart. It's going to be absolutely <laughs> okay. insane. I have full confidence they're going to pull off every spot. Truth, and I do agree with you. Logan Paul absolutely ate that man's lunch on the microphone. The confidence is everything, and thank God Logan Paul and therefore WWE realized that guess what? Logan Paul is supposed to be a heel, but he can get over in the ring as a babyface because he's awesome. But let that man cook as a heel on the microphone and watch magic unfold. And for Ricochet, he was I. Right. This is this is foreign territory for him in some ways. He does not he does not get a lot of mic time to truly express himself, and that does take repetition and practice to find your voice on the mic. And I hope he does so in due time. But in the interim, Logan Paul is going to eat that man alive every chance he gets. But Paul, your take on Ricochet and Logan Paul's potential five star classic at SummerSlam in three weeks' time? Well. I- First of all, I think the match is going to be great. I'm, I, you know, I don't think they can help but have a great match. But um, I, our friend uh, Larry, uh, Larry Kajan in Discord, um, put this well. Not everyone is meant to talk, and you know, and and that's not Ricochet's strong point. He's been doing this for a very long time. He's been in WWE for a long time, and he doesn't need to be doing these kind of promos. I think this was all backwards. I think that. Ricochet should have been, or sorry, Logan Paul should have been the one in the ring and he should, you know, just be bragging about all the things he does. And he's, you know, he's been doing this for a year and he's already the best there is and blah, blah, blah. And then maybe Ricochet comes out, they show a video package of the stuff that they've done together. They show the spot at the Royal Rumble. They show the spot, clean it up a bit uh, from Money in the Bank. And then, you know, and then he jumps in the ring and does some spectacular move and Logan Paul's like blown away. And that's all they need to do. They didn't, they didn't need to do this and now and then when this is over it got me thinking and i was just thinking about this while you guys were talking i think what they need to do with ricochet now and i don't know if you do it before the match or maybe after the match but he needs to be in that group with uh bobby lashley and the street profits and maybe with mvp talking for him and i think that's like he could be like you know that that's how he's going to reach his full potential hooking up with those guys and having a guy like MVP talking for him. Because then all he needs to do is wrestle. And, uh, you know, so that's what I'm hoping for. I don't know if I'm going to see it, but that's what I'm hoping for. So you're basically asking for cross-promotion and violating the draft. All oh, yeah. Again. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can do a trade. I don't care. <laughs> well, at least your idea sounds sensible in a trade. I'm here for it as well. And I have to say, like, those 30 seconds of SmackDown with Bobby rolling up. Now, now, Bobby, you late, first of all. You're going to roll up and leave? Like, well, When you're dude. that good, 
you can do you can show up when you want <laughs> you haven't been to work for weeks and you show up and you stretch a limousine and you shout at the street profits come into my vehicle let's talk shop and let's drive away he showed up and he showed out literally in like 30 seconds bobby lashley is a boss for that but yeah ricochet he does he does need a mouthpiece to talk for him I wish he would find himself on the mic. He's had moments here and there, but hey, listen, being a part of the Hurt Business 2.0, if if WWE is going in that direction, would be great for him. All you got to do is wrestle, let MVP cook for you, and you're good to go. So I'm all about it. Draft violations be damned. That's where we are right now. But Scott, your quick take thoughts on the possibilities, even though we kind of jump into SmackDown a bit of Bobby, possibly bringing the profits into the fold to reconstruct a brand new hurt business. I think it's a great idea. Um, and I hope they go heal. I hope it's a, a for them to go, you know, to a little to the dark side. And while we're on who that potential fourth member could be, I'd, I'd rather have Apollo Cruz in that spot over Ricochet. Mm-hmm. I think I think he would fit a little bit more in that dynamic just because his style is a little bit more heavy hitting, which fits a little bit more. I think him and just him and Lashley standing together, you know, Flex having a little pose like those are that's, those are some horses in there. Then you throw Montez and like now you got some horses in there, even like even Apollo. He's, he's not a, a huge guy, but he ain't no small guy either. So. I would rather have Apollo in that spot because let's remember that is something they were teasing at the very beginning of the Hurt Business as well. Mm-hmm. So there is a connection and a history there. Um, but that is just while y'all were talking about it, I was kind of thinking, I, I, I think I'd rather have Apollo in that spot. And then you could always have Ricochet, have Braun Strowman come. Whenever he comes back, he's got a tag partner. So you've got an instant feud for the tag, for a tag team versus the Street Profits. So I just think there's more options with Ricochet as that, Babyface fighting underneath, Braun could be coming back, Apollo in that group. But I, I love the idea of Lashley and the Street Profits forming just kind of a monster group. So you two are all in on trade violations. Yes. Yeah, I mean, Apollo Crews ain't nothing on, he ain't been on nothing but main events, so don't nobody even know he on Brawl. No. I mean, you know, who would even know? That is true. He can just randomly pop up. I, yeah, I I don't think anybody knows or cares who's on what brand. And here lies the problem, WWE. <laughs> no one cares. I have two of my favorite people basically capping for draft violations, brand-to-brand invitationals, wild card rules. Hey, let's have two people from Monday Night Raw swap over to SmackDown to reconstruct the Hurt Business, and I'm not mad at it. So WWE to hell with your draft and your brand extension. <laughs> I'm just saying, give us what we want, the Hurt Business 2.0. But back to Monday Night Raw business as I begrudgingly move on to <sighs> Scott's favorite subject in life besides his family, The Miz. So The Miz... <laughs> Pause. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> I, I'm I'm a big Miz guy. Like I guess I rock with Miz. You know, I, I I'll I'll go to bed for that guy. But my, my favorite. Okay, continue. I, I just wanted to go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. My bad. 
but was there a denial there? Like there was no rebuttal of what I just said about him being the number one topic of your life besides your family. <laughs> you had no counter argument for that. Listen, he he's not. He might. Not, he's like top three in wrestling. Okay, he's because because Randy's still number one. Randy's my guy. Randy's my guy. And then the Queen, Queen B, Bianca Belair. Come on now. But Miz is number three. But once again, you have not denied that he is not your number one topic of discussion. He is not. He is not the number one topic of discussion outside my family. <laughs> the M- Mike Mizanin. <laughs> hey, son. Let me tell you about Mike. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Now, see what you just did. You told on yourself. So you are telling your children, listen, children, Michael Mazanin is a god in the ring, and you should know why. I'm going to pull up the peacock, and you're going to watch Mrs. Greatest Hits, and I'm going to show you why, step by step, move for move, promo for promo, why the Miz is awesome, according to Scott Young. And I can safely say, all of that is a lie. <laughs> None of it is true. And he will he will debate me down, but I can't help myself because I got to kind of do the thing again. I got to praise the Miz. So we had a match against Tommaso Ciampa, no DQ on Monday Night Raw. And once again, I got to say, the Miz showed up to work, had his wrestling boots on and had a very competitive match against Ciampa. And last week on this very show, I had it in. I said to myself and I said aloud, he's going to beat the Miz. Ciampa's got this in the bag. There's no dispute. And sure enough, I thought that as soon as Ciampa landed the air raid crash to Miz through a table, hellacious bump, by the way, great sell by the Miz, thought it was over. And then Bronson Reed appears out of nowhere and goes after Ciampa. And that allows the Miz to pick up the cheapest victory of the night after Reed lands Tsunami Splash on Tomasa Ciampa for reasons. And I guess the Miz offered another payday to Bronson Reed to do his dirty work as he did so last year on Monday Night Raw when he was feeding Johnny Gargano. And look what happens again. Right then and there, Ciampa loses thanks to Bronson Reed and the Miz for the first time in a very long time, has won a match in WWE. It has been months. The streak is over. It's not quite Susan Lucci winning a daytime Emmy after 19 attempts, but the streak is over for Mike Mazan, and he won a match on Monday Night Raw. And Grandpa, I want your thoughts on The Miz being Scott's number one topic of discussion, winning (laughs) a no-DQ match thanks for some help. I... I, I I mean I continue to be impressed by the Miz. Um, you know, he's uh working his ass off. He cut the he cut a great promo last week, uh, building up this match and uh, you know, like where he was serious and just talking about, you know, what he was gonna do. And then I mean the dude went out and did it. Um he actually, according to Cage Match, had the match of the week in WWE this year or this week. Um, you know, which, uh, which says something actually, sorry, no, it was slightly less than, uh, than another match we'll talk about later, but I mean, it was a, it was a great match and, uh, I didn't think, you know, Mike had it in him. So good for him. Um, not a huge fan of the 50, 50 booking, but, um, if it means we see a third match between these two, Hey, you know, so far so good. So let's do it again. NFL Sunday ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. 
Like maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm not opposed to it. I enjoy hardcore Miz this week. He's showing versatility in the ring this year. I do appreciate that. But now it's time to hear from Miz's number one fan, <laughs> Scott Young, the Mizaniac. Wow, that's a new nickname, the Mizaniac. <laughs> no. <laughs> Capping for his favorite wrestler and the number one topic of discussion besides his family. Where is the lie in that? <clears throat> Couple things, couple things. First of all, on our next bet, that's exactly what your name's gonna be. So you just, no. <laughs> you just no. set yourself up for that. Um, nextly, if I see that on a T-shirt, uh, Keila, you need to be expecting some type of a, uh, some type of royalty check from WWE because clearly somebody's listening to the show. That's a, that's honestly a great name. I like that's. I'm surprised that Egomaniac hasn't thought of it himself. Um, but. I there's not much more to say. You guys said it best. Like he's and he's been doing this all year. Like he has been putting guys and putting people over all year, um, you know, and making them look good. And even in this match, like Champa looked good throughout the entire match, and he had the match essentially won. Um, the Miz is showing that you don't have to do this crazy stuff to still put on quality wrestling matches. Like he's. He's doing this. Like he's doing this weekly. He's doing this with a variety of opponents, and he's doing it in a variety of ways and matches. Let's not forget, a few weeks ago, he did a springboard crossbody to Ricochet. So, like, this dude is really kind of adapting to whoever he's in the ring with. And uh, I look forward to the event. It's clearly, Champa can't do it by himself. So uh, he just needs somebody else who can help him do it yourself. So I, I think we'll be seeing a Ryu a reuniting of the uh, uh, DIY with Johnny Gargano here soon to even the odds a little bit. I sense that too. I want DIY to be a success on the main roster. It gave us a tease back in 2019, a very rushed call up that didn't end very well due to injury, but I'm hoping that they can do it bigger and better on the main roster because Ciampa and Gargano can be a great tag team giving several teams a great fight on Monday Night Raw and here's hoping we see that reunion very soon but Miz gets a shout out for once again showing up and showing out on Monday night and getting a win for the change and getting a win for a change something that has not happened for him in a very long time as you segue to the main event of Monday Night Raw, it was a six-man tag team match involving the WWE Undisputed Tag Team Champions Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn alongside the World Heavyweight Champion Seth Rollins versus the Judgment Day, Finn Balor, Damian Priest, and Dirty Dominic Mysterio, his new nickname. And this match, I have to say, 
was not very good. It was actually a hot ass mess. There was apparently some miscommunication regarding some spots before the match took place. And you can tell because people were on different pages from different books in different libraries throughout this match. Very noticeable sloppiness from seasoned vets out there that should know better in a lot of ways, but every night's not going to be an on night. It was an off night and it was on full display. But the good news is for Judgment Day, they put aside their beef for a night and they got the win as Damian Priest and Finn Balor took out Sami Zayn down the stretch and that could open up an avenue for them to get a tag team title shot between now and SummerSlam with Dom in that position as Finn will go after Seth Rollins once again for the World Heavyweight Championship. That appears to be the storyline trajectory. But I do want to get into some Judgment Day tea as we had some infighting once again between Finn Balor and Damian Priest. And as Scott predicted on this show last week, we got some people picking sides and Finn asking Dominic, hey, you on my side? And Rhea is being a bit defensive of Damien. So you kind of see the splinters starting to show a bit regarding where one's allegiances lie with Judgment Day. And it's going to lead to some mm, dissension down the road. But for this week, it appears the Judgment Day is on one accord for now. But you do sense a slow burn of a breakup is upon us, Scott. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know if there is because I, I have a little bit more hope after NXT. Um, after watching this Raw, yeah, you could definitely see that a little bit. And the match wasn't that great. It seemed like, uh, you know, a little bit of just, I don't know. Like you said, sometimes you're just off, but there's not really much to add to that. The match wasn't that great. Um, the tag champs take a loss. Judgment Day just... Pretty much ran uh, ran the whole week at WWE. All he had to do was show up on Friday. And like we've already established, we don't care about the draft rules. So they should have just showed up and had a match anyway. But yeah, I, I mean, I think the Judgment Day is one of the best things WWE has going. Just as far as everybody feels like they're doing something and trying to go after something. There's a goal. There's a purpose for what they're doing. So I hope this isn't for them to break it up. Cause I think there's still a lot of mileage left with them as a team. Um, and even with them adding JD, whenever that does happen, cause that's, that's gotta just be a natural progression of this group. Sure. That was not teased backstage for nothing a few weeks ago, but then again, we had Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin talking to MVP and the, her business one point and her business one point is not getting back together anytime soon. So sometimes backstage teases are that, just teases and things can be dropped. Here's hoping they pick up on that regarding J.D. McDonough's future in Judgment Day down the road. But, Paul, your thoughts on the main event that was very sloppy in nature and the Judgment Day getting back on one accord for now. I'll be honest. Like, I didn't even really notice um, the issues. I'm, I'm kind of bad with noticing stuff like that. I mean, there was one spot where they clearly... Um, I think it was like a hit that was supposed to go to the back of Finn and he was in the wrong spot and like it, it looked kind of wonky. And then, you know, I did, I didn't really think about it until people were talking about it the next day, but um, you know, I was more interested in just kind of the dynamic between the different members of the judgment day and, you know, where that was going and it seemed like they were on the same page and then maybe they weren't. And I know that everyone is kind of expecting Damien priest, you know, if they do have a, you know, like a split that Damien Priest would be the one that would go babyface. But I'm kind of starting to wonder maybe if, you know, like you've got 
Damien and uh, Dominic, who are, you know, like kind of that Latino background, you know, Puerto Rican Latino. And then, you know, uh, Rhea is honorary. She's big mommy. So, you know, she, she'd be with them. And then maybe it would actually be Finn that would go off on his own with JD. Um, so that, you know, like maybe it, it's kind of a swerve there. I don't know. But um, I, so I'm, I'm still like, it's not quite obvious where they're going, but I agree that I, I think it's too early to split them up because they're doing so well. I mean, they're, they're running raw. They're, you know, they show up on NXT. They're huge stars. And I mean, they're moving ratings. And um, yeah, I think it's, you know, like WWE is just like, they got so many characters right now that are hot and these are for them. So I, you know, don't fix what ain't broke. Exactly. Don't rush a breakup right now. when they're moving ratings on NXT and NXT is, holy shit, a top two show yeah. on Tuesday nights. Holy Ridiculous. shit. The turnaround. Yeah. The turnaround. Oh yeah, my so God. They're gonna That's get Dirty Dom right there. Dirty Dom. <laughs> oh yeah. Dirty Dom and uh and Wesley next week. Can't wait. Wesley might have to earn a bonus check. Yeah. For what he's what he's gonna have to do. Because mm-hmm. Mm, Dom, that's a big test for you, homie. We're gonna see what you're gonna do on Tuesday. But yeah, NXT is a top two show on cable on Tuesdays. When at one point this time last year, they were like what scraping in the 30s, the 40s, the real sometimes outside the top 50. But now, like they are really running Tuesdays right in time for contract renewal season, and USA is going to throw them a bag. And good for them, because NXT, I got to say, as of late, has been a better show, as we'll get to right now, with the best match I saw possibly this week in WWE. It was Braun Breaker for Zulio Dragunov, and this was an absolute battle for about 20 minutes. Two guys that just don't let up, don't hold anything back. Braun Breaker obviously is all about the power and his offense in terms of strength and his speed and agility. And Ilya Dragunov is about the strikes the violence of it all and he dished it out to breaker and breaker gave it back to him i enjoyed the interactions last year when breaker was champion and this was an excellent showcase for both guys but breaker is on this serious losing streak losing his last five matches i do believe and this must be the Braun breaker farewell tour to nxt because he's heading to the main roster imminently but I would like a W on the way out the door. But in, in any event, this is still a very strong match at NXT TV involving Dragunov, who will now go on to face Camelo Hayes for the NXT Championship at the Great American Bash on July 30th. But, Scott, your thoughts on this match between Dragunov and Breaker? Absolutely fantastic. Uh, Keela, something that you've talked about on this show multiple times when we talk about Braun Breaker in particular is when he goes against somebody who really brings that physicality, and usually it's someone who's non-American, um, he just he ups his game. He, he just seems to embrace that and really bring another level to him. And I, just, I also think Braun as a heel works really well, and I think he, he works better as a heel. He just kind of his mannerisms, the way he can kind of talk a little trash to him while he's over him, and just his physicality, I... I just really like what they've done with Braun as a heel. Um, you know, it, when I watched Dragunov, I think back to the very first match I ever saw of him. It was a, a an NXT UK take uh, takeover show. It was him versus Finn Balor, and this is back when uh, he had the uh, when he was still a, a vampire 
and he had his red eyes and stuff and it was still early in the morning. So he was losing his power as the match went on because the sun was coming out more and more. Um, but, you know, NXT has a whole thing with vampires, werewolves, as Damian Priest, Ember Moon. I don't know what's going on with all of them and all that. But it just brings me back to that match. And I remember watching it and I was like, man, he's really good. I can't ever see him being a baby face, you know, just his mannerisms. And now I'm watching him thinking, I can't imagine the way he sells, the way he just throws his whole body at people. It's hard to imagine him going back to being a heel just because of the way he just puts his, the emotion and in, in just his facials. Like his selling, I think, is some of the best in the entire company. Like when he gets hit, when he gets dropped, like look, he sells that his back. Like he just got freaking stomped on and they're just pin, bending him in half. So I think Dragunov is a perfect baby face for Braun. I do wonder if maybe Carmelo Hayes is going to lose that title on the way to the Great American Bash because Melo versus Dragunov, baby face, baby face. It's an interesting dynamic. So that's something I would keep an eye on as well. Me too. And that would be Melo's biggest test to date because Dragunov don't play in the ring. He would dish it out and he would sell his ass off to the perfect combination one of my favorite wrestlers on planet Earth today, Dragonoff, is simply amazing and Breaker just holds his own. Like British Strong Style, he is right there with some of the very best. And Dragonoff fits that bill perfectly. This is one of the better NXT matches you will see this year on TV. But Paul, your thoughts on Dragonoff versus Breakers? We get to Dragonoff versus Carmelo Hayes for the NXT title at the Great American Bash. Uh, I'll I'll say, Keela, you said it was the best or possibly the best match in WWE all week. I would go so far as to say, like, I watch a lot of wrestling. Um, and uh, I watched this week, I, you know, WWE, AW, um, Impact. I watched some Catalyst wrestling. I watched a Wrestling Revolver show from uh, January 1st. I watched it this week, though. And uh, and even a couple New Japan matches. Um, not I haven't got into the G1 yet, and I haven't watched tonight's Collision. But out of everything I watched this week, it was the best match I saw all week. Um, now that doesn't include last Saturday's Collision because there was like a just an incredible tag team match on, on mm-hmm. there. But um, but yeah, for WWE and for everything else, Monday to Friday, this was the absolute best. And uh, I Carmelo Hayes is one of my favorite wrestlers in WWE. Like. I, at least top 10, if not top five. And Dragunov is right up there too. So I just, I can't wait for that match. Um, it's just going to be awesome. Dragunov is, I don't know how that's going to translate to the main roster, but I honestly, like when I first saw him, like Scott said, like it was probably the same match. Like I just like this weird guy and he's like got this Russian music. I don't really know what's going on. Like, is he a hate heel? Is he a baby face? Like, but he's just so intense and he ha- he does those weird ass WWE promos where like they talk like nobody ever talks, but he's like the only guy that makes it work. I think the only other person that's ever made that nonsense work is Samoa Joe, and and Ilya Dragunov for some reason is completely different. But he just he says these words, and I just believe everything he says, and and the way he sells, um, like Scott said, is just like he's maybe the best seller in, in all of wrestling. And man, like if we ever get back to him and Gunther, oh my mm. God, mm. like those matches were like match of the years, you know, in NXT UK, you know, which nobody watches, but people would hear about them and they go watch it because they were so good. And if that gets on a PLE someday, oh man, it's going to be so good. 
You know, Scott and I had a conversation about maybe two months ago. We did like this mock WWE draft and I had Dragunov on my list because, as you said, there is a question mark if he could get over on the main roster. And I think there is something about him in terms of his charisma and how he carries himself that I think he could get over on the main roster. He's a great wrestler. He is a star. He has something that people would really gravitate towards. And if you put him in the ring against Gunther to run it back on the main roster, that would be absolute insanity. If you give me that and maybe Dragunov versus Drew McIntyre and Dragunov versus Sheamus, like the graps would be for real. And you can get to Seth Rollins as well. Give me Cody. Like these are options here regarding mm-hmm. how great Dragunov can be on the main roster. The list goes on in terms of the people you could work with. Hell, give me Dragunov and Logan Paul. That you know would you, be you know something. What you reminds me of just occurred to me. Well. Like he's got the same kind of appeal as Mick Foley back in the day. Mm-hmm. You know, just this like guy who's just unorthodox and and the selling um, and the believability. And I think he could get that kind of underground appeal with people. I think so too. So that's why I'm kind of banking on him making it on the main roster due to how he carries himself and how great he is. And I think that's where I find in WWE and with somebody else in charge if Vince stays on zoom every other month, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> but if you let that man cook on his own and don't mess with it, then he'll be great. So I fully believe that he's got the juice to really be special in WWE beyond NXT when the time calls for it, but great match. And Paul, you got to check out Collision, FTR, Juice Robinson. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. First thing I'm going to do. I'm skipping church to watch that. (laughs) Wow. Jay White as well. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, it will be a religious experience watching that match. I've I've heard. heard. Yes. I, I will be as brazen to say probably one of the greatest tag team matches I've ever seen in my life. And this might be FTR's greatest match and i've seen a lot of them wow can't wait yeah really good so we'll talk about it next week on the dynamite show yes so (laughs) looking forward to listening in and tuning into that review because it was fantastic as we move on to greatness on a different level to shit on a different level (laughs) because you know i have sat on this for the last few weeks but i can't any longer because I have to look directly into the eye, if I can, of Walker HBK. Okay? You foul. <laughs> <laughs> I did not mean that. But... You, you said the eye. And then you said, if you can. <laughs> you foul. I did not mean to be that shady. But when I found out the delivery, as it was coming out of my mouth, I could not walk it back. But... Facts. Oh man. <laughs> you know, that shade that comes out of nowhere, that's a shade you should be afraid of. He ain't even gonna see the shot coming. <laughs> you right about that. It might come for either side. Oh my God. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't mean it, but I kinda do in this situation. Cause I wanna be eye to eye with him if I can. Okay. So this is his show, his vision. And he's living in the 90s to a point. Sobriety is a beautiful thing. But here's my problem with HBK living in the 90s. Tony D'Angelo, someone under his employee, someone drawing a check on his brand, 
has been locked up for two months. We have had prison vignettes repeatedly. And we had a stipulation, a stipulation suggesting that if someone wins a match, Tony D'Angelo is free on bond as he awaits trial. But if Stax loses, Tony D'Angelo must stand trial for the charges of many crimes in the mob world. And he will most likely be found guilty. Shawn Michaels continues to pay and employ a criminal and gives the criminal airtime constantly on his airwaves. Not only that, Tony D'Angelo makes a prison phone call live on the air while Stax is facing a member of Gallus. A collect call. A collect call mm-hmm. in the year 2023. For those of you that remember 1-800-COLLECT, apparently it's still a thing. So Tony D calls via collect call to give his praise and support to Stax, who apparently isn't a snitch bitch after all. It was all a ruse. So Stax wins for his guy. And Tony D'Angelo is now free to appear back on NXT as he awaits trial and possibly gets a tag team title shot at the Great American Bash against Gallus. I just want to say with absolute certainty, this is the dumbest shit I have seen on WWE programming in a very long time. I cannot suspend my disbelief for this shit. It's dumb. It's unbelievable. And the fact that Shawn Michaels has approved this storyline and in storyline has given a criminal airtime and possible title shots. Take the pen from him. Paul, thoughts, please. Okay. Um, So I I can't disagree with anything that you said there. Um, But I will say (laughs) that as I'm watching this and and leading up to it, when they they announced this match last week, I'm like, okay, wait, 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 what? Um, If if they, if Tony or if Stax wins, then Tony's free. Um, But if, if Stax loses, then he's, he's going to jail for the rest of his life. So the, the outcome of a court case is results in a match. Then it, we later come to find out that no, you know, somehow Gallus is the one that's pressing the charges, even though they're trying to find out who the snitches are. Well, if they press the charges, it's not too hard to figure that out. But, um, so what, but the other problem is, and you didn't even mention this. So the steps of this match are that if, if stacks wins, then they drop the charges, but they screwed Gallus. So why would Gallus even live up to the stipulation? Why don't they just say, no, screw that. Like we're still going to testify against him. We're not dropping the charges, but that all said, this was so stupid. But when, (laughs) when (laughs) the Dom calls in, in the middle of the match and calls collect from the penitentiary, that turned a corner for me. Like this went to, this went into farce and I was, I was just along for the ride. And I, I got to admit like, you know, and spoiler alert, this was my guilty pleasure of the week. 
<laughs> like I just, it's so stupid and I felt bad for liking it. And that is the very definition of guilty pleasure. So I cannot disagree with you. It's so stupid. It is one of the dumbest things they've ever done. I think last week, um, Gigi uh, defacing uh of Kiana's office and leaving a, a signed letter to say that it was dumb. I could tell you a story. I'll do it off air later. That was dumber than that. But um, this, this was pretty, that was pretty dumb. It was almost as dumb as this, but I, I still loved it because it was a guilty pleasure. I'm sorry. I apologize. It's like, it's like, it's not as bad as Scott, like in the Miz, but it's right up there. <laughs> wow. What a shot. What a Strays. shot. Are you talking about me on this show? But <laughs> I just want to know a very serious question. Yeah. So what judge approved this? What judge said, okay, so if you win this match, you're free to go. Uh, you, you know what? Match, it's, it's, um, it's that judge from the people's court. Cause they've got that music, right? For God. what's his name? Luca Costafino or something. Oh my God. What's that guy's name? The, the judge Wapner, judge Wapner. That's who approved this. From the grave. Sure. Yeah. Maybe it's his son. <laughs> I am so down making up stories here. Y- you could say Judge Judy approved it, but I know she would like be like, "Get this out of my court immediately." Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this is ridiculous. But Scott, your take on by far the dumbest storyline <laughs> running in WWE today? Uh, it's not very good. It's not much really to add to it. Um, you know, I think Tony D'Angelo loses a little bit of his. Uh, uh, head mob credibility. I mean, who, what head of a mob can't get a cell phone snuck into the jail, you know? So I, I mean, I'm just saying like who, who runs a, a crime organization and you ain't got nobody on the inside who can sneak you a cell phone. Like, come on, bro. Um, and you know, we ain't even talk about the, the awful, the atrocity that was uh stacks trying to, to do is uh, trying to get an Emmy nomination in the corner with him and uh, with, with, with one of the coffees. Uh, because let me tell you, they, 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 that, that was, that did not hit either, man. This is um, just, just a bad segment all around. Not much to add to it. And um, yeah, this is, uh, this is, I'm sure the match would probably be good. Cause I, cause I think Tony, Tony D'Angelo will do most of the heavy lifting. He'll get a nice hot tag and I think he'll run wild just tossing everybody around. So that'll be fun to see, but this is awful. Truly, truly bad stuff, except Paul loves it. So this is right up his alley and you know, I respect his taste level, but it, it, I mean, let's be clear. It was terrible, right? Okay. <laughs> that is the most important thing that we have to take away. <laughs> and I also have to mention as a side note. Um, so there was a segment also backstage on NXT involving the schism. Oh, I didn't even watch it. I <laughs> oh my god, this is so good. Nah, this is good. I I I'm I'm gonna go ahead and tell you. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you right now. I am on a schism shows up, schism gets fast forward. Okay. I am I am on one of those type of so diets many right people now. People missed the key point in this though. They Probably because they did what it. Scott did and skipped it. But they yeah. missed it. They missed it. I did not miss it because no, let me I tell you too. something. Yeah. The creeds are unmistakable. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so <laughs> there's a whole fleet of schism members in masks and Ava's taunting Ivy because she's all alone now and they say join us because the creeds are gone and as the schism bots walk away <laughs> there are two very noticeable schism bots who look remarkably like Julius and Brutus yeah the one's tall and, and jacked and the other one is as wide as a house and also jacked and they both stare at Ivy. Now, I don't think Ivy had a clue. No. <laughs> I don't think she knew. <laughs> but man, that was good. After some technical difficulties, we are back. I, I have to apologize to all you great listeners. I, I broke Keela's mic uh, with my, uh, my joke about Ivy Nile. And, uh, but we're back. And we, we, the rest of the show is going to not be quite up to the quality as usual, but we're going to do the best we can, not in terms of content, but just in terms of audio, because um, Keela's mic, unfortunately, did not decide to join us for the rest of the show. So, Keela, what, hap- what do we got left on SmackDown now? We're done with NXT. Well, let's say rest in peace to the microphone. It had a good run. It lived a good life. Paul Fontaine killed it on the show. This is literally the last time I'm getting invited. Yeah, I fired him earlier at the top of the show, and now I have to fire him again because he let me down, but I kid. Laughter is the best medicine, but we're going to move on here. Hopefully the sound quality isn't that bad, but we're going to keep it moving as we talk about SmackDown going down this past Friday on Fox, another very good show, Sands Travel Chief. But I want to get into something very unique that happened on the show on Friday, and that Shotzi shaved her hair after Bailey clipped her hair a few weeks ago on SmackDown and we had a vignette of Shotzi shaving her head, but it was for very sentimental reasons as her sister is currently battling cancer and she's in chemotherapy. So Shotzi is shaving her hair in solidarity for her sister, which is very sweet and classy of her. But I do hope that this new character of her being shaved bald and embracing a new look and edge to her character will actually lead to a meaningful push on TV to get her over because she still has the potential to be a big time star in WWE. We saw that on NXT over the last few years, but the main roster has been hit or miss in terms of a ill-timed hill turn nearly two years ago to where we are right now to what Shotzi can be as a player in the women's division on SmackDown. But Scott, your take on Shotzi shaving her head and spooking Bailey at the exact same time. I thought it was a, a pretty cool uh, whole thing all around. I I thought she did a nice little promo as she was doing it, a little maniacal uh, laugh she had going on. I think the bald head is going to work well for her. I think it's going to be a good look. Um, so yeah, this could be this could be what Shotzi as the character needs. She's still going to have to bring it in the ring, and she's going to have to put together a string of good matches in the ring. That's still part of it, but. I actually do think this is going to add to her character, her going uh, with the ball. And it's also really cool uh, for her to do that for her sister. So uh, no, no gripes from me from this at all. I enjoyed it. It was different. It was a fresh take on something that can be meaningful on SmackDown. I want this for Shotzi. I want this character and her to get over as a wrestler. She has potential to be a star of WWE leans and fully. And I thought this is a very outside the box, but creative vignette to get her over 
in a meaningful way on SmackDown. But Paul, your thoughts on shots of shaving her head bald and scaring the shit out of Bailey at the exact same time. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the last part because that was uh, the part that kind of kind of hit me. Like, you know, the way that Bailey for the first time really um, showed a little bit of vulnerability. Like she, you know, she's been kind of just kind of above it all with everything and not selling anything really. Just anytime anything went wrong, she would just kind of laugh it off. And this was like the first time she was like, oh my God, oh shit, what did I get into here? Um, you know, where she like thought she had one up on Shotzi and then Shotzi basically took control of the situation. So I kind of like that aspect of it. And for a change, I was actually aware of what, what the, you know, kind of the real life reason for this was usually I'm kind of in the dark about it. And I, I, that was just, well, just on another level, but I thought they did a really good job of, if you know, you know, but if you don't know, you know, it was a, it was a character change and she, you know, so the only question you, you know, a, a longtime wrestling fan might have is, Oh, well, why didn't, you know, they could have had a stip match and she could have lost the hair in the ring. But I kind of like this aspect of it that she took control and did it herself. So like she now is not subservient to Bailey. She is taking control of her own career and going forward. And now Bailey basically just unleashed a monster and she's going to have to pay the price for it. So I really, really like that. Me too. For the first time, Bailey took things a wee bit too far. It came back to bite her in the ass. And as you said, this gave Shotzi a level of agency over a character to say, listen, I'm not going to let you embarrass me. I'm not going to let you take something from me. I'm just going to finish it, but I'm reclaiming who I am at the exact same time. And I love that. It was very creative. It was different above all else. And hopefully WWE leans into that a bit more on their television show, because this was definitely something that we don't see very often on WWE TV and it made perfect sense. And I want more. We want more. And I want more for Shotzi moving forward. Hopefully this is a step in the right direction as we move on to our daily weekly bloodline segment of the week involving Jey Uso coming out to a great reception as he talks about brotherly love about him and his brother. And when they feel things together, they feel hurt. They feel pain. They feel happiness and sadness all at the same time. And we had the what chance from the crowd that in normal cases would be very grating. But in this case, Jay leaned into it and he played along and it made the promo go a little bit more better in terms of the flow. And he talks about how he has respect for the bloodline, his father, his mom, his uncles, his cousins, but he has no respect for one Roman Reigns, his cousin, the tribal chief, the head of the table for what he did to Jimmy and himself over the last. Did we lose Keela again? Am I here? Yeah. Can you hear us? Yeah, I was talking and you see you can hear me. Yeah. Well, no, like you were all like, Scott, did you stop hearing it? Scott, are you there? Yeah, I, I stopped. I stopped hearing you too, Keely. Okay. Oh, shit. No, that's okay. I mean, you sound fine now. Um. So you were you were talking about the Usos. Um, I will go back and listen to the time cue of that and just tell Garrett to just start again with the uh, Uso segment. Okay. Yeah, go in. Can you see the clock? Yeah. Okay, go at 710. Okay. Okay. 
So Paul Heyman comes out alongside Solo Sokoa, and they have this really interesting exchange as Paul Heyman is basically doing the thing that Scott and I feared last week, and that is trying to prey on Jimmy Uso in that, hey, Jay, this is your fault, that Jimmy got beat up by Roman last week, that your brother will never forgive you. From your juice cell, Jimmy, blame Jay, not me. Your father, Jay, will never forgive you. Your mother will never forgive you. Your uncles, your grandfathers, the entire family will never forgive you. I love you, but I will never forgive you. Roman will never forgive you for what you did. Your greed and your selfishness got you in this position right now. Got Jimmy laid up in the hospital bed as we speak. And then Solo is going to shut Paul up and he's going to tell his own brother, his own big brother, that I too will never forgive you for what you've done. And this leads to Jay going after Solo and then Paul tries to ambush Jay with a steel chair. That backfires and the fans are ready for Jay to swing on Paul Heyman. It's long overdue, but Solo attacks his brother and Jay avoids the Samoan spike. He goes after Solo, lays him out, and then he refocuses his attention on Paul Heyman. And finally, he gets a shot in with the safest super kick you will ever see. It did not land whatsoever, but Paul sold it nonetheless. And we appreciate his commitment. And as Jay was going for more chair shots on Paul, Solo makes a save. And that is where we are at right now, leading to some kind of confrontation regarding the rules of engagement between Roman Reigns and Jay Uso next Friday on SmackDown on FS1. That should be quite the confrontation, but this is still very good stuff from the bloodline every single week on SmackDown. But my concern is now, will Jimmy listen to what Paul had to say about blaming Jay for what happened? Because I'm getting Bella Twins flashbacks from SummerSlam 2014, and I don't want it, Paul. I don't want it at all, but you never know. Yeah, I uh, first off, I just love your recaps of these bloodline things. I want somebody to like put these all together and like I'd listen to it for like 10 hours of the whole three years of it. But uh, I the juice line just killed me. I when he said it's <laughs> it's Paul Heyman, your juice. I was just oh my god, did he say that? Um, and the other thing was, I'm not I'm not sure if you mentioned this, but when Jay came out and he was talking. His um, the way he controlled the crowd because they they started giving him the what ch- chant and he turned it around on them like so he was leaning into the what's and then he would stop and let them cheer and then he would get into like his serious stuff and and he did that twice and both times it worked the exact same way so he basically like he had this crowd in the palm of his hands and the crowd was so hot for all of this like with no Roman there with no Jimmy there. This was this was Jay Uso, this was Solo, and this was Paul Heyman, and and the crowd didn't care that the, about the people that were missing. They just loved this. And Jay Uso is a star. Uh, Solo Sokoa is gonna be a star if he's not already. And Paul Heyman is the glue that keeps this thing all together. And this stuff just continues to hit on all levels. And yeah, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. And I, I think that's the idea that we're supposed to think of that. But I think now, you know, these twins, they're so bonded. I, and, you know, and Jay, that's what Jay, Jay talked about. You know, when he hurts, I hurt. When he's, you know, happy, I'm happy. Like, they're basically two two bo- people sharing in two bodies, but sharing the same soul. And it was just great. This, I just can't say enough about this. Like, yeah. That was so deep and very true. 
and I'm here for it, but I'm still scared because I've seen this play out with sibling rivalries mm-hmm. in WWE. Yeah. So I got like one eye open on this and we shall see how it goes. But Scott, your take on the latest from Jey Uso, Paul Heyman and Solo Sokoa on SmackDown. Good placeholder segment. Uh, good way to make use of not having anybody around except for, you know, not having Roman around, not having Jimmy around. Yeah, you know, I, I'm i just trying to think of has WWE ever had two brothers not feud at some <laughs> point in time? And honestly, I don't think I've come up with any. Um, I, I just... And maybe I'm wrong, but I can't think of any two brothers who have not had some type of feud where one turns on the other in a big title match. You know, I I just can't I can't think of any, and I don't think it's going to be any different this time. Matt and Jeff, when they were when uh, Jeff was going against Edge, and you know Edge has this shocked look on his face as Matt Hardy standing over the one guy who he had all that history with. Um, you know. Even 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 just family in general. We had Chavo Guerrero turn on Rey Mysterio. Like I mean, any type of family, it's it's just bound to happen. So I hope it doesn't happen. I hope they kind of just maybe tease it and Jimmy just does what he's supposed to do because Roman can beat Jay and, it, and it's okay. It's okay if Roman just still finds a way and he's just so desperate. And that's the story we go forward. Um, but yeah, Jay is Jay's great. He's established. He's over. He's main event Jay Uso. I thought this is probably his best promo that he's cut in the last few weeks for me. I thought he showed good fire. He knew what he wanted to say. He was confident. And I thought the line about he's the tribal chief main event Jay Uso. I, I really like that. I thought that's, that's that fire I've been looking for. Me too. Swagger and confidence. And I thought he carried himself like a star as always. And Paul Heyman is a great shit stirrer per the usual. And Solo was right there being apparently the new right-hand man right besides Roman Reigns for now. But he's also thinking about the future. And that's something to keep your eyes out for as well, because he is also angling for power within the bloodline in the immediate future, depending on this all plays out of SummerSlam in a few weeks' time in Detroit. But all in all, really fun segment as always with Jay standing tall once again. As we move on to one of my favorite matches this week from WWE, we have this United States Championship Invitational Tournament, Fatal 4 Ways galore for the next few weeks on SmackDown. And this Fatal 4-Way involved AJ Styles, Cedric Escobar, Grayson Waller, and Butch from the Brawling Brutes. And I thought this was a very good match. A highlight was a very unique Tower of Doom spot with Santos Escobar delivering a sunset, a sunset flip powerbomb onto everyone in a great spot. Nice flow throughout the match. Everybody in their high spots and finishers. And then the match came down to Grayson Waller landing his stunner on Butch. And then AJ Styles is his finisher. And then it all goes to hell when Santos Escobar is actually going to splash Grayson Waller from the top rope to get the win. Surprisingly enough, I was very happy for him as Babyface stands tall. And he's one of many to move on in this tournament to face Austin Theory for the United States Championship. Thought this was a very good match. Probably my second favorite match on WWE television this week besides Ilya Dragunov versus Braun Breaker on NXT. But nice action throughout. A little surprised that Grayson Waller ate the pin after he really took edge to the limit last week on SmackDown for Madison Square Garden. But Scott, your take on this fatal four-way and Santos Escobar moving one step close to a shot at Austin Theory's U.S. title. 
I didn't like it as much. I I thought this was just okay, you know. Um, I I didn't really feel like there was a flow to it. I just I don't know. Maybe I I, I just this match did not hit for me. Um, it was just just another match in WWE on the week. Uh, Santos Escobar winning is okay, you know, especially if I thought there was a chance they might go Santos versus Rey Mysterio, which I don't think they would do. But if I thought they would do that, that's cool. But I just – Santos doesn't do a lot for me as a singles right now because he's essentially been established as the guy who takes the loss for Rey Mysterio to avenge. They've established him as, as that. So I don't know. You know, and AJ Styles, he's got to worry about carrying Cross beating up his entire crew backstage. He got a tag team back there, and they getting beat up by one man. And then Mia Yim, she getting taken out too. So, you know – there's all these all these other elements going on, so this, the match didn't do a lot for me. Wow, where miss for Scott dissension here? Does Paul co-sign on this match just being hi? Can I can I say that I'm kind of probably in between the middle of the two of you? Um, I thought it was good. Um, I maybe the best match on SmackDown, but you know, there, I thought, I thought there was a couple of matches on raw. I like better. And, and the, you know, obviously the Elliot Brown match as well, but um, I was like, I think part of the issue that I had where maybe I, I think Keely, you probably pay a little bit more attention than I do. So I, I was under the impression that the winner of this match was getting a U.S. title shot. I didn't realize that I guess is, is it like a fatal four way at SummerSlam and everyone's competing for chances to get into it? Is that what it is? I honestly have no freaking idea how this goes. (laughs) Okay, so it's not just me. They (laughs) they just said, let's have these random four ways and find out who's going to get slotted in and maybe do a tournament from there. So the way way I saw it was this four way, we got the winner. And then we got next week's with LA, um, Ray, Ray, Sheamus, and who's the fourth guy? I can't remember doesn't matter yeah yeah who, but that and then they're gonna face the week after and then that winner see and i think Austin i think theory. the week after there might be another four-way yet and maybe they're all gonna go to summer i'll see maybe that 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 would make more sense but they definitely yeah. didn't say that and if they are no. doing that do they even have four other people well mm-hmm. yeah they do and that's the thing like i you know and i can even probably come up with four more but that was the thing like and i think they should actually explain this and built it up because essentially you got like 12 people competing for a shot at the u.s title like that's pretty cool right you know like when when you think about it and these are all like decent level people you know like you know we don't have no uh you know like uh akira tozawa in there or you know uh drew gulak you know no offense but you know they're great wrestlers but you know they're not exactly you know top line characters these are all people that are over and honestly like the four people this week, the four people next week, like you can make a case for any one of them winning. So I think that was part of what made the match good was that you didn't necessarily know who was going to win. And I think I kind of went into it, assuming that Grayson Waller was going to win. And, and then when AJ hit um, that, you know, that move, I'm not, okay, well then it's AJ. And those were probably the two most likely for me. So Santos winning was a choice, Uh, but I guess we're going to have AJ and Carrie and part, whatever 800 and um and and uh you know whatever grayson i don't know what he's gonna be doing but it seems to me that this is gonna be la Knight's uh title to win 
at SummerSlam. So, you know, I expect him to win next week. And then, um, you know, we'll see if there's another four way or if they, you know, maybe it's just a three way. Like, who knows? But I wish they would have explained that. I give AEW a hard time sometimes for not explaining things properly. And this is one where I think it, WWE dropped the ball a little bit. Oh, definitely. This was def- this was a choice by WWE to explain exactly what yeah. the purpose of these matches are. If it's going to be two fatal four ways, and then we have the two winners go head to head, and the winner moves on to face Theory for the championship at SummerSlam. Oh, that, if that's yeah. the case. Let us know. But yeah. I'm also pulling for LA Knight. This is his moment now, and I saw this image floating around social media because. <laughs> You know, um, we already had Austin Theory get absolutely demolished by John Cena on the microphone earlier this year on Monday Night Raw. And my fear is if L.A. Knight is going to be the one to face Theory at SummerSlam for the U.S. title, if they have a promo exchange, he is going to demolish that man on the microphone. Mm -hmm. And if that happens, Theory, it might be time to reevaluate your life as a wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> There's no better way to sum up this than what Paul said. Absolutely. Amen to that. As we move on now to our main event involving Bianca Belair and Oscar for the women's championship. Now, if you thought you were going to get a decisive clean finish, you thought wrong. Because as soon as Charlotte said, I'm leaving, I trust the process. I trust Bianca Belair is going to win. As soon as she rolls her luggage down the hall, we have Bailey Neosky saying, bet. Hmm. And then, and then Charlotte shows back up and says, I'm going to stick around. And we got poor Adam Pierce, poor Scrap Daddy, talking to Bianca, talking to Asuka, it's going to be a clean fight. It's going to be a clean match. We're going to have a decisive winner. And poor Jessica Carr is like, mm, somebody told you wrong. She already sensed doom. So the match was all right. I expect a chicanery. And we got that with Bailey and Ego Sky buying a ticket to the show. And then Charlotte buys a ticket to the show. So I guess that the tickets were still on sale up until the last 15 minutes of SmackDown. They sit there, they observe the match of Bianca Belair and Oscar going back and forth. I love the counters between both ladies. And then at one point, Bianca Belair lands to KOD to Oscar on the announce table. And then we have Chaos and Sue with everybody hopping over the barricade with Eosky and Bailey going after Bianca. They have Charlotte trying to make the safe to protect Bianca. And Bianca's like, what are you doing? And Charlotte says, I'm here to help you. And then we have miscommunication of Charlotte accidentally sparing Bianca Belair. And the sell job by Bianca was spectacular. And the spear by Charlotte was pretty great as well. And this leads to a DQ. And with Asuka laid out on the floor, this opens the door for Eosai to cash in her women's money in the bank briefcase. But for reasons, she hands the briefcase to Bailey. And the rule states that someone else cannot cash in for you. You must cash in your own briefcase. And Jessica Parr was like, I ain't cashing in this shit. You're not the winner. So <laughs> that led to a lot of stalling. And ultimately, Oscar was able to duck and dodge by spraying Bailey with the blue mist. And she runs away with her championship intact for now. But she definitely has a target on her back with Charlotte, Bianca Belair, and Io Sky looming on the horizon for a possible match at SummerSlam. But, Paul, your take on the main event 
and the cash-in that wasn't. Once again, thanks to Bailey being a saboteur. Well, as much of a mess as the kind of the ending of this match was, it was nice to see the the match that happened before that. You know, Asuka and, ba- and uh, Bianca can't possibly have a bad match. And after the week that we had in WWE, um, and, and really, like, we saw Shayna Baszler and Emma, Caden Carter, Katana Chance against Chelsea and Sonya, Core Jade and Kalani Jordan. Um, earlier on in that show, Zelina Vega and, um, um, God, who, who was it? Bailey. Between those, all those matches, I think they maybe gave them like eight minutes. Mm. You know, so I was like, man, they're just treating the women wrong this week. And I was not happy about it. And then we got to see that, you know, really good match in the main event of SmackDown. And it was treated as important as well. Like they built it up all night. We had a segment at the beginning of the show to, uh, to set it up. Or, I mean, it was set up last week, but, you know, to build it up. And then even all through the show, there were vignettes leading up to it. So um, I um, I was very happy to see that. And and then, you know, like, obviously, this is all leading to a triple threat match at SummerSlam, I assume. So and then obviously, Bailey and EO will probably be there with the briefcase. And, uh, you know, we'll see probably more shenanigans at, at SummerSlam. But um, I yeah, I was happy for the most part, although I didn't really the ending was a little bit forced. It was kind of funny watching Charlotte in the front row, watching the match. And there was a guy sitting beside her that he had the weirdest look on his face. Like he was staring straight ahead. Like he didn't want to look over at Charlotte. I don't know if this was a fan or if this was like somebody she knew, but he just like, he had this look like I'm not turning my head. Like I'm not going to look at Charlotte. I'm just going to look straight ahead. And I just, I couldn't take my eyes off this guy that was beside Charlotte. It was so funny. And it was right on the hard cam too. So you couldn't miss it. The mystery guy that wanted to be seen or not on camera. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Scott, your take on the main event involving Bianca Belair and Asuka and the shenanigans involving Charlotte Flair, EO Sky, and Bailey at ringside. Uh, the match was good. I agree with Paul on the fact that I don't think Asuka and Bianca can really have a bad match. I don't think they'll have a match as good as they had at WrestleMania. I don't think, I don't really see them being able to duplicate that just because. I just think there was something in that WrestleMania air. And let's keep it 100. Bianca Belair always seems to uh, have her best working boots on when she shows up at WrestleMania. The biggest stage brings out the best of Bianca. So I don't see them having a match that good. My thoughts on this whole thing is Charlotte Flair is undefeated at SummerSlam. And if you're going to do this triple threat match, Charlotte shouldn't be winning. And if she's going to lose, then she needs to lose in a one-on-one match. And that's where Bianca should be getting her pinfall victory. I, you know, and if, if you're leading to a Bianca Charlotte match at WrestleMania and you want, you know, I, I just Charlotte Bianca is the matchup. I know Oscar's got the title and she's my girl, but that's the matchup. That's the biggest women's matchup you have right now is those two facing off in my opinion. And you know, even if you don't have the title for it, I think I spoke about this with Keela a few weeks ago, how you could possibly have four or five women's matches on this SummerSlam card. And Bianca versus Charlotte Flair does not need a title to feel important, to feel like a big time match. And I just think Bianca beating Charlotte at SummerSlam where she's undefeated and has knocked off Trish, has knocked off Asuka and Becky Lynch, like where she's knocked off these names. I just think that's a bigger match and that's a bigger win 
for Bianca Belair than just having that triple threat. And then you can still have Asuka defending that title. Maybe she defends it against both EO and Bailey. At, you know, you could still do something like that. So I hope we get the singles match of Bianca versus Charlotte Flair because to me, that's where the money is in a women's match. Agree to take out the last horsewoman in WWE in a singles match, preferably. And that should happen at SummerSlam. But as you said, there is a winning streak with Charlotte Flair winning at SummerSlam, undefeated at this event. And it could happen again. So we'll see how it goes. I do sense triple threat be- between Asuka, Bianca, and Charlotte Flair. And Neo Sky is trying to cash in if she cashes in for herself and I have Bailey do it, but I smell sabotage and a turn by Bailey to Eosky eventually. But all in all, a strong way to end the week for WWE for the women's division that was kind of beleaguered this week due to some bad matches and short change on time in several cases as well. And this is a bow for this week's wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. But before we go, it's now time to find out our guilty pleasures. And the thing that we should avoid at all costs this week, and I think that Paul has given the thing that he finds as his guilty pleasure, but what's that one thing that we should avoid at all costs this week, Paul? Okay, so just to remind people, my guilty pleasure was the uh, was the goofy stuff with the Dom and uh, Stax and Gallus, but um, my avoid at all costs. I had a really hard time with this one. I'll tell you, when you sent the rundown, I was like, man, I'm I'm listening, I'm watch- thinking back on WWE this week, and like there, were, like er- just about everything was I could find some good in it, other than that just completely terrible segment that I loved. So I guess the the one that I would come to. It's probably the Alpha Academy ceremony. And it wasn't even so much. I thought like, um, you know, uh, Maxine did really well and Chad's always funny and Otis is, is you know, hilarious. But I, I didn't really like the stealing of the um, of the Letterman's jacket um, part of it. And, you know, it's just kind of goofy ending to that. So you can just avoid that. You know, we didn't even talk about it the whole show. So we, we talked for an hour and a half about WWE this week and we never even mentioned it. So if you're catching up, you can just skip right past that. <laughs> that is sound advice Scott your guilty pleasure and the one thing we should have avoided at all costs this week is WWE fans so you can avoid well I, I avoid it every week you can avoid schism I do it every week so <laughs> you can do that but if you want to look for something I watched uh, the, the GG Kiana stuff's not it ain't really hidden for me like you know you left a nice nice pristine note very well written, perfectly bent in half, perfect angles, but you destroyed everything else in a kind of cleaned up manner where all the junk was in one pile. All she had to do was really put it away. So just just avoid that whole thing. And we can go ahead and skip the match, too, if I'm going to be honest with you. Um, this isn't really a guilty pleasure, but something I've really enjoyed. And that's got to give a shout out to my man, Big Daddy V, Von Wagner. I have enjoyed the little backstory and I've enjoyed uh, just kind of hearing how, who he is and how he became, how he was, you know, the little line about if people wanted to treat me like a monster. So I just started being the monster, like, you know, little things like that. So I, I've enjoyed the journey of Von Wagner. I agree. The journey has been good. I like his backstory. It comes from a real place, which I greatly appreciate. We get to see more of the real him via the setting. He's very good being himself and talking about his childhood. And there are some embellishments here and there, but it feels 
very organic and in the moment, which I appreciate. So I can understand why that would be a good pleasure this week. As for myself, you know what I hated. Anything Tony D'Angelo in prison, collect calls <laughs> live on the air, wasn't my jam. So you just avoid that shit by all means. But my guilty pleasure this week is all things pretty deadly. So mm. they've gone full ABBA with their theme song, which has grown on me. And they have a disco ball now. A disco ball has descended <laughs> to the, from the ceiling to the middle of the ring. The entire presentation is outlandish, ridiculous, but I absolutely love it. This is just great for them. I love Elton Prince. He suffered an injury on SmackDown this past Friday. Speedy recovery to you, sir, but Elton Prince, Kit Wilson, pretty deadly. They've been pretty awesome on the main roster so far. And most importantly, above all else, they are picking up wins to give them mm -hmm. credibility as a tag team. And that's all I can ask for for NXT call-ups. Put them over, book them strongly, and make them feel like stars. And so far, so great with Pretty Deadly. And with that, that is a wrap for a very unique edition of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. Audio quality was standing for the last 30 minutes of the show. I do want to thank my co-captain Scott Young and Paul Fontaine for coming through in the clutch to make sure you get this show somehow, some way on the air for your Monday drive or your afternoon jam or your evening rush. Thank you, Keela. As always, it's a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE. Everyone, make sure you check out the Unwrap on the Fight Game Media YouTube channel. Uh, you can hear me talk about a jazz pin and hear my new finisher, the Valentine Hammer. So uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely go and check that out. And uh, Paul, it's always a, a blast to have you on. Looking forward to the next time. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, uh, it took a while, but we got there. And, uh, you know, technical difficulties beat down. We had a hell of a show. So thank you for having me. And uh, Cheddar Biscuits for both of you. Hey. Oh, thank you so much. We appreciate it as you throw your red lobster in our face occasionally on your social media, making us hungry throughout. But much love to you, Paul, as always. Come back anytime despite my threats to fire you off the show for what you've done at various points during this episode. But we'll be back next week somehow, some way, delivering another week that was in WWE across Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. So for myself, for Salty Scott Young and Paul Fontaine, Grandpa Dez, that is a wrap for all things WWE this week. Take care. Bye-bye. Uh, Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.